Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by the newest K-6 catechetical program, Christ in Us and Cristo in Nosotros. It sets the standard for faith formation in today's world. Check it out today at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU. We think you'll agree that this innovative program will change the future of catechesis. On today's program, I'm really excited to bring on Colleen Moore, Director of Formation for the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame, and the Program Director for its catechetical program, ECHO. So we're here to talk with Colleen today about all things McGrath Institute and ECHO. So glad to have you on. Colleen Moore, thank you for being with me. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. For our listeners, why don't you say a little bit about your role uh, and how uh, with McGrath and with ECHO and how those two organizations relate? Absolutely. So the McGrath Institute for Church Life is uh, at the University of Notre Dame, and we consider it kind of one of the arms of Notre Dame reaching from the heart of the campus beyond uh, beyond the campus to put the best resources of the university in service to the church around the country. And we think some of our best resources are uh, the theology department that we have at Notre Dame, as well Mm -hmm. as our students and the folks uh, who form our students for ministry. So the McGrath Institute has a number of different initiatives um, from science and religion to online uh, catechetical education, um, Notre Dame vision, and ECHO is one of those uh, initiatives that finds its home at McGrath, and um, we're very happy to work in collaboration with all of the various programs that find their home there. Yeah, some of our guests might remember, oh, I don't know how many episodes ago, but we had Tim O'Malley on, and he's also a part of the McGrath Institute, uh, working in liturgy and liturgical scholarship. So thank you. Uh, Again, welcome, Colleen. And I thought what we'd do is just kind of give our listeners an outline of ECHO. So why don't we start maybe with the history of ECHO? How did this organization, which helps to prepare catechetical leaders and and does so in an apprenticeship way. We'll talk about that. But how did it get started? Yeah, so in the early 2000s, um, I, the director of the McGrath Institute for Church Life, Dr. John Cavadini, who was also the chair of the theology department at Notre Dame at the time, mm-hmm. recognized a few different things simultaneously. One of those things was many of the students who were coming to him as freshmen at Notre Dame seemed to have uh, a difficult time articulating the faith. It had been something they'd been exposed to for quite a long time, but they didn't seem to have the vocabulary and the understanding that Mm -hmm. they themselves would have liked to have. Um, At the same time, we recognize that about 10 to 11% of Notre Dame seniors went on to do service after graduation from Notre Dame. Is that part of the program itself? So this is after they've graduated, they just felt compelled to get involved in ministry? So this is at the university in general, Mm -hmm. about 10 to 11% of every graduating class at Notre Dame, yeah, goes on to do a year or more of full-time service 
But when you look at the list of organizations that these students served, it's a remarkable list. But the church itself and parish life wasn't really well represented there at all. Interesting. And at the same time, uh, there was a study looking at uh, catechetical leaders at the time in parishes, and it found that in those early 2000s that the median age for catechetical leaders was 61. So a lot of those folks were beginning to think about their retirement in the coming Mm -hmm. years, but when they turned around to pass the proverbial baton, didn't necessarily see a whole lot of young people coming Uh, to follow in their footsteps, Mm -hmm. kind of put all of these different pieces together at the time and said, we have a responsibility at the university to give students the opportunity to explore what it would look like to work in catechesis in parishes and perhaps to create a postgraduate service program that would allow them to dabble in that and explore it as a potential career. Um, And... um, And also, we really wanted to take advantage of the great experience and wisdom that was in all of those very seasoned catechetical leaders. And so we decided that we didn't want to just create something at Notre Dame in its own bubble. But we really, in order to do this well, we really Mm -hmm. needed to partner with the church around the country and Mm -hmm. have partners in dioceses and connect with those experienced catechetical leaders in the parish who could serve as mentors for our students as our students got kind of their first view of what being a catechetical leader in a parish would look like. Yeah, there's there's so many wonderful things going on uh, for ECHO. Um, you mentioned the, the mean age is 61 of our catechetical leaders and they're considering retirement. I'm 42 and I'm thinking about retirement right now. <laughs> so I can totally understand why, they're re- why people are ready to kind of check off here. And um, But you're, you're pointing to a big issue, which is building the bench. Uh, and whether it's helping a diocese to do that or inside a parish to build the bench, who are the, who are the next uh, people up to help out for whether it's a ministry of catechesis or worship or something else that feeds our, our souls and feeds the body of Christ? How do we build that bench? So it sounds to me like Echo is really trying to support that. Absolutely. And yeah, we definitely want to strengthen that, build that bench, kind of give it more depth and also mm-hmm not just fill open positions as our seasoned colleagues do um, get the retirement that they have, that they have earned. Justly. Justly. Absolutely. (laughs) But also to kind of create a new kind of leader who like their predecessors um, are able to read the signs of the times and say, Mm. what does, what does evangelization and catechesis look like now? Mm -hmm. And, that's a very difficult question because it's a moving target. The landscape is shifting dramatically, especially in the midst of COVID. And, and as we hopefully begin to emerge from the pandemic, there's lots of those big questions that are looming. And we need to have a new generation of leaders who both have the wisdom that they've received from prior generations of leaders, mm-hmm. but also are able to kind of assess this new landscape and say, what does catechesis and evangelization look like in this brave new world? And so um, students moving through ECHO will get that kind of a background, that kind of experience in, in two ways, as I understand it. One, in the classroom, they're at the university where they're, they're receiving top-notch theology classes. I mean, John Cavadini's a legend, uh, but there are many other bright, bright scholars, obviously, helping out there. Um, and then from the practicum, and part of that is 
apprenticeship. Um, how do you, so, so we have the academic side, the intellectual, we have the apprenticeship where we're getting that ministerial formation, that human formation, that pastoral formation, which sounds to me like we're hitting all those important dimensions of formation uh, that we want for any minister. Uh, the same four dimensions uh, that we look for in clergy, the same that we hope for in lay ecclesial ministers. So it sounds like it's pretty well-rounded. Yeah, that was definitely the hope from the very beginning. Um, my one of my colleagues, Jan Porman, who was kind of the original architect of the holistic formation in Echo, and um, and before her passing, uh, worked for the Master of Divinity program there, and so um, drew we drew on a lot of her wisdom, and obviously the wisdom of the church in seminary formation and lay ecclesial formation. And we also drew, obviously, from uh, the bishop's document, Coworkers in the Vineyard of the Lord, right. which outlines these important areas of holistic formation um, for our students. So as you mentioned, the intellectual formation, spiritual formation, human, and in our language, we kind of say human and communal formation mm -hmm. to our students live in intentional faith communities. And then, of course, the pastoral formation that happens when they're you know, working full-time in their placements in parishes and Catholic schools alongside their mentors. Yeah. Um, remind me again the, the, the original date of inception here. When, when did ECHO start? 2000 and what? Began in 2004. So 2005 was when Coworkers in the Vineyard was released. I mean, what a dovetail there uh, for ECHO to borrow from that uh, document, which has kind of reemerged recently. The USCCB featured it on its website. Um, and why is that happening? Mainly because of Pope Francis and the direction he's leading uh, the church today. And uh, part of it is this umbrella we're under right now of, of, or maybe we should think of Moses's meeting tent, right? This safe place that, we, that we're building now for, for synodality, for listening, for how can we cooperate better between not only clergy and lay folks, but among the laity. How can we really encourage and con convince lay people that they have gifts and those gifts are from God and they're called to use them and that when they use them, they experience their faith in a new and deeper way. Um, it just seems like that the origin of Echo came at the right time. You had, you had the right um, people there on the ground at Notre Dame. And then, and one of those people we got to mention, a mutual friend of ours, Gerard Baumbach, who's a catechetical legend in his own right. Um, well, he was the first director, correct, of Echo? That's right. He's the founding director and still director emeritus of ECHO. We have a very close and ongoing relationship with him. And we're so grateful for the incredible foundation that he laid for the program and for his, his ongoing influence. Yeah, quite, quite a legacy there. So we had the right boots on the ground and then it was the right sort of um, theme that was coming up, the co-workers in the vineyard. And here we are, not quite, tw not quite 20 um 20 years later but pretty close and uh where we have the synod and i just think boy if echo is so suited right now to grow and flourish so on that note um do you have any uh success stories or things you'd like to share with us things that echo has been doing really well that you're very proud of yeah thank you for that I would say as we headed into the pandemic, we like a lot of programs and organizations weren't really sure uh, what was in store for us. And I think what we found is that um, there was an opportunity for everyone to kind of step back and assess uh, what was needed. And I would say my, as you mentioned 
earlier, my, my colleague, Jerry, um, and I, in those early years, you know, we say kind of had bloodied knees as we were going around the country, kind of begging for partners um, with us because the need for a new generation of lay leaders in this regard wasn't as apparent perhaps as it is now, but I think mm. it's, um, it's become deeply apparent, um, especially in the course of the last few years. So I would say, you know, we now have 360 uh, alumni serving mm -hmm. in dioceses around the country. And I think their professional um, and holistic witness of the faith has been compelling. And so many of the dioceses that hire them then come to us and say, you know, we'd like more of them um, <laughs> because they, they minister. I think I, I recently received an email of someone in a diocese in Ohio who has over the years hired two or three of our alumni and said, you know, each of these people is distinct from one another, but mm -hmm. there's, there's something about their formation that um, that's unique in that they're not simply attending to kind of the minds of those they serve or the hearts, but really attending holistically to the whole person. Hmm. Um, and they, you know, we're grateful that they point back to echo as a piece of that. We can't take full responsibility um, sure. and credit for, for the success of these alumni. But I would say we have been inundated in the last two years with requests from dioceses to partner with them because they see the value in having these young, faithful witnesses who are well-educated and well-formed to be kind of beacons for their peers and others in dioceses who are seeing the effects of this affiliation. I love it. And I'm sure we'll, we'll have DREs, um, diocesan leadership listening to this podcast and, and thinking along those lines, wondering, how do I apply? So could you say a few words about how dioceses might consider becoming partners with ECHO? Absolutely, yes. So anyone who's interested in learning more about ECHO can feel free to go to our website and um, you can go to mcgrath.nd.edu slash ECHO and find information about our program. And also there you can sign up um, to receive more information about partnerships between ECHO and dioceses. And I receive those directly and I follow up with anyone who inquires. And I'm not only eager to kind of share information about the program with those who are interested, but also to learn more about the needs of the church where you are. One of the benefits of ECHO, I think for our students and for us is that we partner with dioceses across the United States. And of course, Dioceses have a lot in common with one another, but also the church is facing a variety of different realities depending on where they are and who their population is. And so it's a real deep education for our students, not just to learn about the diocese in which they're placed, but through all of their classmates' experience to learn about what the church in mission dioceses is experiencing, the churches in the Northeast compared to the churches in the South mm -hmm. um, and out West. And so I'm very eager to learn more about what you're seeing in your parishes and schools and dioceses. And then from there, we just begin that conversation to see what a partnership uh, might look like. Wonderful. It, it sounds like it's fairly easy to apply. Um, all, road, all roads point to you. Uh, and hopefully people are gathering that you're just a wonderfully pleasant person. So you need not worry about too much scrutiny of your application. Uh, but um, I love that Echo is preparing uh, 
young people for mission. And if that doesn't resonate with Pope Francis and where he's trying to push the church, I'm not sure what does, uh, that we're called to be a missionary people. Um, I, I, I wonder, you, you were talking about, we don't deserve all the credit for how well these, these young people are formed in the program. You deserve some of it, obviously. Um, and the Holy Spirit deserves a whole lot of credit. And I'm thinking, uh, What's what's stirring these young people to apply to Echo uh, to become candidates? Do you have any idea? Have have people shared with you what's led them to Echo? Yeah, I think um, they share with us annually at this time as we engage in interviews for the incoming class, and that's a question that we absolutely ask: of mm-hmm. Why are you interested in this? And we're really—it's deeply inspiring to really hear the way the spirit is moving in these young mm-hmm. people's lives. We were not surprised when so many of them tell us, you know, it was a, a, my high school theology teacher or my professor at, at the university or a campus minister mm-hmm. who made an incredible difference in my own life in introducing me to the depth and the beauty of the faith and the relevance for it right now in these times, even when our culture is increasingly becoming hostile to the faith, um, to have those witnesses in their own lives. And they say, I, that was so powerful for me. I want to be that person for someone else. Um, And I think they're drawn to Echo because they realize they need some tools to be able to learn how to do that well. And so they're very eager to give two years of their life for education and formation um, and to learn from the incredible, you know, experienced mentors that they have access to. So I really think it's very spirit driven and they stumble upon Echo and are incredibly grateful that our university is putting all of these resources in service to them so that they can be in greater service to the church around the country and beyond. You know, that's one thing that we see in all sorts of different social uh, studies of young younger generations is there's such a desire to be involved uh, in things that are meaningful and things that make a, hum- a, a positive impact on the quality of humanity and human living. Uh, and it doesn't have to be religious. It can be secular in nature, too. But there does seem to be that drive and that that um, passion to to be of service among our young people. And what a wonderful way to channel uh, that passion, that drive by offering them a chance to minister in these various dioceses and equipping them to be able to do it successfully. Mm-hmm. Final question, just uh, pulling this one out of thin air. Uh, it'd be so easy to talk about what's challenging the church today and, and catechesis today, but is there something that gives you a lot of hope? Uh, is there something that you see in the life of the church, or maybe there's some, you know, you're drawing on your own experience of of people really doing evangelization well or really being affected by um, the gospel in some way? Is there something that gives you hope? Do, are you hopeful about the future of catechesis? I'm deeply hopeful, especially when I work with our students and when I get to work with our partners around the country, because I see that despite, you know, rising levels of disaffiliation, that there are incredibly committed people um, to serving the church and to actually inviting more people into the church. And I would say um, our students are certainly a big sign of hope for me, I think, and for our partners. Mm-hmm. One maybe one thing that I think might be underrepresented uh, or spoken about in conversations like this is that, especially in light of of the years of scandal within our church, yeah. um, 
what I'm really heartened by is that our students are willing not only to do a lot of the public work that ministry demands, but they're really invested in doing the deep internal work that's hidden, you know, from the public that allows them to serve from a very deep and um, healthy and um, spirit-filled place. So I'm really, I'm, I'm very heartened by their deep commitment, um, you know, to their own ongoing formation that allows them to be able to read the signs of the times effectively and to be able to accompany people mm. in kind of a, a new age and stage. So I would say that's definitely one kind of sign of hope that the staff and I get to experience on a weekly basis. Um, that, that's super encouraging. And you're so right that, you know, how we're orientated externally, how we see and serve others, all depends on how we're orientated internally. What's our relationship like with God? Are we open to the spirit moving us? Do we really desire to love our neighbor, that fundamental Christian call? It has been such a delight to chat with you, Colleen, and to talk about uh, this wonderful organization, ECHO, what you're doing, uh, why you're doing it, and why it's a source of hope for catechesis in the future. Um, I want to thank you to be on the show. And as I always ask our listeners, or our guests rather, uh, would you offer our listeners a prayer? I'd be happy to. And um, with your permission, I'd like to draw on uh, the Holy Spirit, since we've been talking about how important that well, is. You don't need my permission to draw on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Instead of using my own words, I'll, I'll draw on the, the prayer of the Holy Spirit. Wonderful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 It has been an absolute delight, Colleen. Again, we've been chatting with Colleen Moore, Director of Formation for McGrath Institute for Church Life and the Program Director for ECHO. Colleen, many blessings as you continue to move this program forward. Thank you so much, Matt. I really appreciate it. And blessings to all of your listeners in the important evangelization and catechetical work that they do every day. Thanks so much. This has been another episode of Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback. We'll chat with you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Cristo in Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.